0: The Advancing Women in Sport podcast is created on the lands of the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation. I pay my respects to Elders past and present. I also celebrate the massive contribution that Aboriginal and Torres Strait Island peoples have made to sport. And I acknowledge their contribution across the world. Hey everyone, Michelle Redfern here, your host of the Advancing Women in Sport podcast. This is the podcast about smashing the patriarchy in sport. I know from my work as a diversity, equity and inclusion consultant that it's really important to fix systems and remove barriers that prevent women from all identities from reaching their full potential in the sport industry and of course beyond. The guests on this podcast are game changers, pardon the pun, actually no pun intended. They are people of different genders, from different places, and from different parts of the sports industry. What they all have in common though, is that they are agitating, advocating, and activating for gender equality in sport. I hope you enjoy it. Hello listeners, and welcome back. To the Advancing Women in Sport podcast. In this season, I am having some awesome conversations with people in sport who are smashing the patriarchy. And today, I'm thrilled to bits to have Tarak Barakli. And I hope I've pronounced that correctly, Tarak, because I've been practicing and so you can correct me if I've got it wrong, but I've got Tarak with me who heads up Club Respect here in my hometown of Melbourne, Australia. I'm going to let Tarak talk to you about Club Respect, but what I can say is that when we first met each other at a networking lunch, at a sport networking lunch, as you do, when he started speaking to me about what he was doing, I go, ooh, this is really interesting. And I've been following along with great interest and with real pleasure uh, around the, the whole principles of what you're doing. However, we're going to get into that. So welcome to the pod, my friend. It's so good to have you here.
1: It's lovely to be here, Michelle. Thank you. And the name's Tardik Baydakla. Baydakla. So- Yeah, it's a a tricky one. Uh, Sometimes people just call me Taz and that's fair enough or T. Uh, So, okay,
0: you know, inclusion starts at the start. So I am going to keep practicing and practicing. So thank you for your generosity. What I do want to hear about first is just imagine you and I bumped into each other for the first time again. And I said, hello, it's really good to meet you. What do you do? So how do you explain that to people?
1: So Club Respect is a program I work for and it's actually part of Victorian Women's Trust. So the Victorian Women's Trust has got a few entities and one of them's around harm prevention and it's a national initiative. One of those programs is called Club Respect and the whole idea around Club Respect is to build a culture of respect in sports clubs. And the way we do that essentially, and I suppose you need to bring it down to the basics, which is to if we can increase respect in sports clubs, it's going to set an environment, it's going to set the scene for all the participants in that sports club, the players, the coaches, the fans, the parents, whoever's there, it's going to set that scene in the sports club setting and then it's going to take it out to their homes, it's going to take it out to their schools, to their workplaces and all the other places that they live. So the idea being that if we can set that scene in the sports club And let's be honest, sports clubs are hugely prominent in our society. And let's be honest again, that the the unchecked violence and abuse that can happen in sports clubs is is quite rampant and really hard, really, really hard for volunteers to stop or even just manage at its its real basic levels. So if we can do our best to increase the respect in those places, it's going to help our society in so many different ways. And, And as a harm prevention initiative, I think it's a really powerful way to do it.
0: Yeah, and certainly a great nod to the fantastic Mary Crooks and her team at the Victorian Women's Trust, who they underpin so much work, often known and often unknown, to level the playing field, quite literally, for, for women and other underrepresented people. But also, as you have quite rightly said, to, to build a culture of respect. In this week that we're recording in, in December 2022, listeners, we've had Legislation passed through federal parliament about respect at work, which is quite literally going to be a game changer because it puts a positive duty on employers to make sure that their workplaces are respectful, safe, and that it really is going to change the game for for the way underrepresented people are treated. Well, all people are treated, really. I'm interested in how that's going to translate into sports workplaces, particularly because sports workplaces, as you've rightly said, Tarak, are. Filled with volunteers, and it was interesting. I was, I was listening to your, well, part listening to your recent episode of your podcast around basketball sa and the, and the the challenges that SSA state sporting associations and others have with very large volunteer workforces. So there's a whole bunch of stuff to explore there around what club respect is doing to enable those organisations both paid and unpaid to really get a handle on the importance of respect and how it it underpins everything so I think that that's number one and number two what I really appreciate as well because I say it a lot is that sport is such a barometer for society and yes I know that not everyone's a sports nut however in our country and certainly others, you know, it's some people's religion, it certainly is mine. I don't follow any organized religion except AFL or AFLW. So what you're doing has has the opportunity to have real impact. Let's come back to that in terms of that impact. But now I want to I want to talk about you. How did this all start for you? Did you wake up one day and go, okay, I'm gonna become an advocate for equity for inclusion for equality for respect in sport or what happened i'm not going to put words into that so tell us your story
1: so i used to be a banker that was my world so i finished up in the banking world in around the time of the global financial crisis i was working in margin loans for anyone who's interested or knows about margin loans it was yeah that would have been a bit hellish yeah so you know we were essentially making margin calls on day one and then day four just uh, asking people for money and it was just a brutal cutthroat type of situation and I'm passionate about work the work that I do and I I do it well if I love it and I wasn't loving it and I was just like it's it's not for me not because of the global financial crisis but that was a real big moment to say no this is not for you I went into my master's in sport management at Deakin and around that time I started working it wasn't working essentially it was Uh, Sort of informal volunteering, that's probably the best way I can describe it. Going out to the detention centres in Melbourne, there were two. One out in Broadmeadows, which was primarily for minors, and then the one out in Maribyrnong. And I was visiting people. I was visiting refugees who'd come from predominantly from Sri Lanka. I was kind of doing that and that went for a, a few years and I then found a way to... Merged the two, my passion for sport through my degree and my passion for advocating for refugees and found a job with a group called the Sports Without Borders. So I was at Sports Without Borders for a number of years and really opened eyes to the power of sport to make a difference in social inclusion, particularly in social cohesion. There was a time in that when I was working in Sports Without Borders that we actually applied for a grant with Victorian Women's Trust Ah, right. Yeah. We basically got some funding for a Zimbabwean netball group, an informal netball group who were just training twice a week. And we helped them secure some funding through the VWT to get them a coach to pay for their court hire fees. And anyway, that was such a wonderful project. And we connected with Netball Victoria. It was just so fantastic. And that's when I met Mary, Mm -hmm. Mary Crooks. And from that, I started in the Critical Friends group, which was essentially a group of. 12 people who were working on developing club respect. You know, we'd meet up every three months and we did that for a few years. And then essentially I got tapped on the shoulder to take on club respect. Club respect itself was formed through a partnership between Mary Crooks and Paul Zappa. So through Paul's group and his his knowledge and um, all the work that he'd done with the Be The Hero program prior to that, that's where club respect started. So I got into that position through the work of Paul and Mary Coming into that world, I came from sport, not from gender equity. That was the real challenge for me because I know a lot of people in the sort of gender equity side of things, they come from gender equity and then sport comes into their lives or sport comes into their positions that they're in, whereas for me it was the exact opposite, sport and working with migrant communities, that was my thing. And being a you know son of migrants myself, I, I understood that area so much, but I'm a man and a lot of the work that was done in gender equality work in sport does focus on women and girls. So my significant challenge was to understand my place in all of that and to make sure that I'm sort of doing the work of Victorian Women's Trust, which I am an employee of Justice, and understanding it all to a point where I can actually advocate for it. And I'm glad to say, Michelle, I'm kind of there. (laughs) The real big challenge for me was that I hadn't actually learned about the gender equity side for men either and learning about that through the men's project. And I did some training in that and just genuinely understanding the challenges for men. And then through my work at the Trust, understanding essentially what the equity challenges are for women and gender diverse. That's really where uh, I've come to now.
0: I'm pleased that you've brought up the fact that we do need to explore how patriarchal systems disadvantage all genders. And we often, uh, we, and when I say we, I'm talking about society folks, so I'm I'm making broad generalisations here, but we will often think about gender equity as a women's thing and work that is done by women. Now, the reality is, you know, hello, here I am. I identify as a woman uh, and I'm doing gender equity work. And like you, I had these two worlds. Well, I had my work of diversity, equity and inclusion, which was later in life. So that was, you know, I think I'd always been doing, but I formalised it about eight years ago, always had sport. And then when I smashed the two together, dreadful expression, when I brought the two together, like you, I went, aha, aha, here we go. But what I have discovered through, like you, learning and growing and doing development and things like that is that, yes, there might be a view that this is women's work, but it's not. It's it's all of our work and the beneficiaries are not only women. The beneficiaries of equity work, particularly gender equity work, are all people. And and I'm very excited when you keep tuning in, listeners, you'll hear another couple of men that I'm interviewing who are doing some really significant work around normalising different male behaviour than perhaps particularly men of my generation have been taught how to behave. You know, We have very rigid gender stereotypes in Australia and in sport. What does it mean to be a man? Toughen up, don't throw like a girl, don't run like a girl, don't cry, don't talk about your mental health, blah, 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 blah. And again, I think dismantling these patriarchal systems and expectations of men is also very, very beneficial. So I'm super, super glad that you went there. You've talked about one of the barriers that you face which you yourself had to overcome and I think it's work that we all continue to do which is I'm in a in territory where perhaps some would fear that I don't belong when you absolutely do. But being a leader in this space takes a lot of grit and determination, guts, courage, <laughs> grit, <laughs> And persistence, so because we do bump up against barriers and challenges, what are the types of barriers and challenges in your work that you bump up against and how do you overcome them, both the problem itself but also at, a, at an internal level, your own, how do you keep your sense of self and, and your grit, determination and courage to keep on keeping
1: on? It's a fantastic question, Michelle. And first of all, I just wanted to say as well, regarding that previous question, a lot of the work that's been done in this space, I realised immediately upon entering the VWT, was that a lot of the work was done by women. And I know there's a lot of men now that are involved in this space, and for good reason, men and women do need to work together and, and the gender diverse do need to work together to you know, crack this nut that is gender equality. You know, I just want to acknowledge all the work that has been done, and it's predominantly been by women, and for, you know, for reasons that men might struggle to understand. And I think that's a, that was the significant thing for me, giving myself a awesome segue because understanding it is really difficult and the number one challenge for me particularly in this space is the prevailing sense of anti-feminist attitudes amongst men Mm -hmm. I'll say I'm from Club Respect and they're like okay cool 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 and then they'll see the VWT logo the Victorian Women's Trust logo and there you can just see some wires roll over look it doesn't happen so often but you can just see it roll over a bit and okay here we go and then there's this, who's this guy? What's his story? I get that.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I get it because I understand that we live in a society where there's a lot of these thoughts that do have a heaps of power. And so that's what I'm fighting against in a lot of instances. On the other side of it, there's a lot of men in particular that are hugely supportive of this, women progressing in, in all facets of life, in, in cultural politics, and particularly in sport. So... For me, that's definitely the biggest challenge. How do we overcome those thoughts and those ideas?
0: Yeah, I totally acknowledge what you're saying around the eyes rolling because I certainly have a strategy when I start to talk to organisations, whether they're in sport or in business, but certainly with our parameters here around sport. And I have said out loud to people, you know, I don't walk into a footy club or an organisation with my feminist flag flying because I know that that is going to repel rather than attract those decision makers to what it is I'm here to say now
1: Mm.
0: is that right or wrong I don't think right and wrong is the right it's not binary you kind of got to win hearts minds and efforts of people in whatever way you can so for me interestingly making connections with very senior men and powerful men who are often white and older. For me in business, my entry to some conversations has always been sport because I'm a sports nut. I can talk footy. I can talk lots of stuff. And that has been a great leveler. So for me, there was a real strategy around the stuff that gets me into some of these conversations with a group that I'm typically, would typically be excluded from gives me a great opportunity to have a conversation about, hey, let's all talk about gender equality. But, gee, it has to be nuanced so that you don't lose them at the outset, doesn't it?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think the the challenge I find can often be overcome with a focus on respect. Yeah. Yeah, and, and you know, from a club kind of respect perspective, and I'll tell you about some of the personal challenges as well. We deliver workshops, for instance, and we might go to a sport club and talk to their committees. When we talk to their committees, they know we're from Victorian Women's Trust, but we don't specifically come in with a gender focus. We come in with a focus of what are the values in your club? What are the qualities that you want your club to possess? I have to find the right balance with what I'm about to say next, but because I don't want to blame or shame, it's number one thing I learned in particular with Men's Project, why would you even bother with a code of conduct if you're not going to have one? <laughs> you know, if you're not going to actually have it adopted or push as far as you can, as hard as you can to actually get it adopted, why would you bother? Like, what are you doing there? Having an idea of what it actually means to be successful in your club. Is it just about winning games? No, it never has been. It never has been for any football club, for any sports club, for any cricket club, never. It's been more than that. What is it that you want to win? What are the standards of which you want to win by? And then the idea of equity and fairness, not doing it is not an option because you're part of our communities, part of society. So you do need to do it. So how do you want to do it? And, and, and you know how do you want to have those conversations? And so going in with the idea of respect, particularly with sort of marginalized groups, is going to always start those conversations with people. If you're in the you know, western suburbs of Melbourne, uh, for your listeners who probably don't know, is probably higher numbers of uh, migrant and refugees than you know other parts of Melbourne, for instance. If that's an area that you live in, you've got a cricket club there, then what are you going to do? Like, How are you going to make sure that there's equity for those people that are coming into your club and, and making sure that it's fair for everyone? And so we kind of focus on that. That starts the ball rolling for you actually respecting a group, for you actually focusing on that group and making sure that they're at the centre of what you're doing in the club.
0: I love that, that pickup of, you know, how many codes of conduct or, you know, member welfare policies or blah, 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 blah. Do we have that never see the light of day, but they don't become what we live and breathe and how we do stuff. So I love that link to what does fair mean? Does everyone have a fair go? And of course, you know, good old Australian, everyone has a fair go. Well, do they really? But yeah, I love that. Sorry, Tarak, I interrupted.
1: No, that's Okay. From there, we go to what are the ideas of respect and how does that reflect in your club? If you're genuinely looking at respect within your club, oftentimes the issue of gender will come into it. If that's a significant issue in your club and it's not being addressed, that will come up. But interestingly, interestingly, in a lot of conversations that I've had with clubs, There's still a prevailing thought, obviously, around, well, if it's a gender issue, then it's obviously men are the issue here. We need to solve that issue, the men problem, that kind of thing. And in most cases, obviously, that's where the issues will will land. But the way that I look at it, and in some cases, uh, with some of the netball clubs, for instance, that I've been to, which are predominantly run by women, you'll have the same sort of issues, not exactly the same, but, you know, same sort of issues as other sports. And and that can often, and the way that we talk about it within the VWT, and, you know, this goes out to all the other harm prevention initiatives that we have, which is around the idea and the concepts of power. Mm-hmm. Abuse happens when you've got, someone's got power and another person's got power, but that person with more power or maybe not necessarily more power, but they're using their power in a way that's dominating power over another person. And that essentially can happen in sports clubs, sometimes intentionally, mostly unintentionally. And the fact of the matter is that there's a lot of sports clubs that are still run by men. So if we're going to look at it from that power perspective, then there's still a lot of men running these clubs. And that's where the issues are going to land, obviously.
0: I'm going to go to a place that you're too polite to, I think, because netball is a really great example of, for me, I look at netball as a very white women's sport now I'm a white woman so I'm okay to say that because it is full of white women probably my age perhaps getting a little better but certainly not at the at the elite level it's not we've had some very well publicized views about the whiteness of netball but again we think about People in power? Are they using that power ethically and for the good of all people? The second point I'd make to honour what you've just said is that yes, gender might become a matter, but also if, if women, you know, women are 50. 1.8% of the world's population, we don't all look the same, sound the same. We have intersecting parts of our identity that can create barriers. And my experience as a 57 year old white, educated, allegedly affluent woman in inner city Melbourne is very different to my brown sister, who's a migrant woman who's living in. Warnable, or living in the, the western suburbs of Sydney or outer west Queensland uh, or in my hometown of midwest Geraldton in, in midwest western Australia as an Aboriginal woman so you know there are just so many different layers and that intersectional focus is so important but I think what really resonates for me in this and the call to action for our listeners is is respect threaded through everything that we do in our club in our sport if not why not and what are we going to do about that and let's understand who has power and is there fairness for every human in our sport and I think those are really just nice questions for administrators who I unashamedly aim this podcast and my work at if you're an administrator you have power you have the power to do a lot of stuff what are you going to do with that power so I, and we often have very very negative connotations around the word power well, it doesn't have to be I have enormous power and influence. You have enormous power and influence. And I don't, well, I'd like to think there aren't many people who would say we're being unethical with our power because we're not, because we're amplifying, as you say in your podcast, shining a light on those dark corners to highlight what needs to be done. But how do we use our power to create fairness and respect for every human in our sport, not just some? Oh, it's a really great really great lot of reflective questions for, for administrators to ask themselves, which is a good segue to then say, well, okay, if I'm sitting here listening to this podcast, Michelle and Tarek having a lovely chat about equity and fairness and respect, I go, right, I am so inspired to go and do something. What's my first step?
1: Well, I suppose to take a first step, you need to have a a belief that what we're saying might be true. Yeah, good point. So that's the first step. Yeah,
0: good point. <laughs> well, I'm, here's me being so arrogant and egotistical. Go, well, of course yeah. they believe us.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Now you think we're on point and you, you're interested in it. The first step is definitely to notice. That goes. That, that's the first thing. I suppose you don't want to run in foolhardy. You want to get a lay of the land and you want to understand how these things work. Next time you're at the club that you're at, Uh, Next time you're at your workplace, wherever it might be, obviously one's a sport focus, but you can, you can notice it anywhere, you know, one could be the influence of uh, power. It's obviously not just identified power, like, you know, the captain or the boss, it could be, you know, sort of a patriarchal household with, with a dominating dad, for instance, but just to notice. And your next thing is to learn and, and listen. If you genuinely believe that, that there is a power imbalance at your sports club, for instance, then going and actually listening to people who might not be having a good experience based on that, they might be the ones that are on the other end of, of the abuse, for instance. And that would just be to actually go to that person and say, what's actually happened here and how can we remedy this? So to notice, to learn and to listen.
0: And to notice, I remember being at a forum many years ago, which I can see is one of the experiences that really kicked me into touch, you know, in terms of the, what I do now. And it was a, an International Women's Day forum and it was a very, very senior person from the, the military in, in Australia said, you know, I had this, he listened to the experience women were having on base and really listened and then learned from it. And then he said, you know, I cannot unknow what I now know. I cannot unsee what I've now seen, which means I need to act because I'm a leader and I have power. So I think that noticing is a really good thing. And notice, but take the time to really so what does that mean? So what does it mean when I see... You've done a great episode on the the female umpiring crisis. Folks, I'll put the links to Tadak's Club Respect as well as the podcast into the show notes. But there's a really great episode about the the level of disrespect shown to umpires broadly, but also to female umpires, which is causing a crisis. So, So notice what's happening there. Think about what the impact is and then start to think about, so what do I do about that? And I think that's a really nice segue to say, what do I do about that? Can you tell us about the game plan, the awesome game plan that you have? It's a free resource, right, for on Club Respect. So can you tell us about that? Because I think it's a really good one for, for administrators to dip straight into.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And just another thing I want to add to the previous thing was uh, I did this interesting thing it was definitely over the top, but it was definitely kind of a unique, fun play on the idea of a code of conduct. Uh, I play futsal and I asked my teammates to submit kind of like an expression of interest. We all had a jolly good laugh about it, but they had to submit it. And if you know anything about futsal, Michelle, you'll know that it's often unhinged and yep. there's, it's, it's just a Wild West. Yeah. <laughs> it is a bit. <laughs> it's, it's completely unregulated from a from the entire system of football. But the idea for for my team was to say, okay, well, what does it mean to be respectful in our team? And I didn't want to just focus on the harm prevention side of it. Like, you know, be fair to the referee. Don't talk back to the ref. Don't be aggressive with the opposition. Be supportive of your teammates. All good, right? But I want to take it to that next step as well to say, all right, well, our team is someone that wants to actually be leaders in that space. We want to make sure that the refs love working when we're playing. You know, we want to make sure that the opposition loves to play against us because they just know that they're going to get a good contest. They're either going to smash us or we're going to smash them, but we're going to, you know, we're not going to get a beer after the game or anything like that. And I want our team to constantly support each other. So the point of me saying that was it doesn't always have to be so extremely formal, and it doesn't have to be. And it can just be something that's so informal and fun and can just progress things along. Having said that, the awesome. Program it does seem kind of formal in structure, but it's got a really awesome acronym. The idea of it is that there are seven elements that if a sports club follows those seven elements, then they will be on track to becoming a club of respect. It's not an authenticated system or anything like that. It's, you know, you don't get a certificate at the end of it. It is just uh, some resources that suggest that the, you do those things and work on those things because we're talking about cultural change. Cultural t- change takes time. That takes time in a place of employment where everyone has defined roles. I suppose what we've tried to do and what I think we've succeeded into is to, to find a good balance of making it simple enough that you can take action in the time or the priorities that you might have, but not overly complicated. So obviously, it's it's trying to strike that balance. And I think it gets there. Um, most of the clubs that we work with have it on as an agenda item on their committee meeting so that they know, okay, well, where have we progressed along those seven elements? So for that reason, it's nice and easy to follow. And we have a rating system at the end of each one. So a club can self-rate and then obviously you can see where you need to improve and what you might be able to do to improve after that.
0: And, you know, there's a lot of work that's gone into it. So it's, it's deceptively simple um, is what I'd say folks who are listening, but it's very, very powerful. In my last board role, I certainly used the Club Respect models and material to help really shape the approach to particularly um, integrating or bringing a women's football program into a 154-year-old men's club. So this was a really good framework and it helps to meet people where they are and you're right you don't change cultures overnight but every little bit helps and I'm a great fan of James Clear's Atomic Habits so I'm I'm, I think he needs to give me a top fan badge or something like that because I talk about it all the time when we want to create new habits we've got to remove the barriers or remove the friction but you start off small you start off with those enabling things and I love the fact that awesome are a bunch of enabling things that are relatively easy to do but super super powerful you know as i said to to win hearts minds and efforts of, of those folks who are often volunteering their time so great tool and yes folks i'm going to pop that into the show notes as well as a guide that I've developed about how to listen to people from diverse communities in your club. Inclusive leaders guide to listening, which means I've given you some little questions to ask and then listen to, but also some guides about how to listen. I know we know how to listen, but we have to really listen to take action. And of course the gold is in the reflection for my clients who might be listening. They'll go, Oh, she's on about reflection again. Yes. You've got to stop, breathe and reflect. Don't just keep hurtling down the same path. Anywho, Tadak, I could probably do, like with most of theirs, I could probably do like a three-hour episode with you, but we would lose, well, you would lose the will to live listening to me, but so would our listeners. But anyway, as fascinating, as fabulous as you are. So I'm going to wrap us up with two questions. One we've kind of covered, but I really want to wrap up with a: what's your one call to action, particularly for people who have power and influence in sport, what's the one call to action for them right now to engender more respect in their sport? And then the second one is, what are you most hopeful for in 2023? So first one,
1: call to action. So for people in clubs that have that power, I'd say the first thing is to is to reflect on that power and actually how are you using that power? You made a really good point earlier and said something that we talk about a lot, that every single person has power, not to diminish the concept, the issue with power is that it's often, you know, it's been sort of glorified in this Tony Montana style of power hungry and it just, it's just become this real negative or elusive thing of you've either got it or you don't. And I think that's really unhelpful uh, when people come into that position. It, it gives them more power, obviously, and knowing what to do with that power and to actually reflect on how you are got, you know, the, the choices that you're going to make within that is going to define how you approach the idea of respect within your club. Not to simplify it too much, but you're either going to be using your power over someone or you're going to be using your power with someone. If you're using your power with someone, then you're working together and you're going to be collegial. You're going to work together. You're going to use that your power to actually help someone with less power excel in your club. And if you don't think that that's going to help your club in its entirety, then that's obviously something that I suggest you just look into. Awesome. So... So that's my that's my call to action to sports clubs. And uh, what am I most hopeful for? Don't get me wrong, I'm an AFL nut. right, I'm a huge AFL fan, but I realize the influence and the power of football to really make a change and, and the Women's World Cup in 2023. I'm so excited. I've already bought my you know stadium tickets. I just feel like there's a huge opportunity there for people to because I mean, you know, there's still conversations happening about. And this is unfair to the men's cricket team, by the way, what I'm about to say. But, you know, there's this thing of like, oh, no one likes women's sport. Mate, mm-hmm. look at the stadiums. Look, at they're full. Yep. This is where it's unfair, potentially unfair to the men's cricket team. There was that one day international that hardly anyone went to last two weeks ago. Mm-hmm. There's a level of marketing. And if the marketing was geared towards women's sport, it's going to work. <laughs> it's going to work. And the marketing's there now. We've got a World Cup. That, I'm really hopeful for that. I'm really hopeful that, that people will see. I want people to go to the World Cup. I want people to you know fill up those stadiums so people can actually see it and go, okay, th- there's genuine interest here. Mm. I think that's going to help with a lot of people in Australia but you know around the world, obviously. And I suppose the more hopeful, uh, the sort of broader perspective thing that I'd be a bit more hopeful around is I see a lot of, particularly around gender equality, I see that men support it in theory the early adopters, as it's as someone someone referred to it as, are probably like men with daughters. They kind of get it a bit more because they see that there, there could actually be some potential safety issues for their daughter growing up, and that's a good start. What I would like to see is that that we all, men and women, acknowledge that we shouldn't underestimate the benefits of gender equality you can have for men. We kind of look at it from the perspective of men's health and men's well-being is going to be beneficial for women in the sense that, you know, maybe this is going to be safer environments, safer communities if from that perspective, which is obviously extremely important and is the priority because you obviously want to stop harm first and then go from there. But the benefits for men of what gender equality means, to rip that away from the idea that women's progress is men's demise to rip the idea up of a zero sum game to say, well, we're we're lifting each other up. You know, women's success is going to actually mean men's success. And for people being able to talk about this and advocate for this is to talk about how women's success is actually like, what is the benefit going to be for men? I don't think that's well articulated out there. And I think that that's, that's what I'm really hopeful for that people see that, see that benefit is across the board for all genders.
0: What a great way to end. So I, I, couldn't agree more and, and people have heard me bang on for, for long enough for for at least seven or eight years now about how this is not just a women's problem and not just women will benefit from gender equality. So I, I couldn't agree more and I too have to remain hopeful that we will remove or eliminate the zero-sum game mindset from our vernacular, from what we're talking about, and including from the barriers that people like you and I and other practitioners have to navigate when we start this work. So we've heard about Club Respect. We've heard about how you started uh, sports management. Well, you're a banker and wisely got out of that, became involved in, in migrant communities and sport, brought them together, met the fabulous Mary Crooks and the Victorian Women's Trust, started the Club Respect, started the podcast, talked about the barriers that you've encountered, both your own as well as those the systemic barriers and i love the call to action please take notice of the power you have please take notice of the lack of respect that might be around you and then reflect and think about what might i do about that and of course we've ended on a very hopeful note of well the women's world cup in 2023 i agree i'm an afl nut but i see it just has such power to demonstrate sport is growing And we're not growing one gender sport to diminish another. It's just there's a bigger pie being built. So I think that's a fantastic one. And, of course, we finished on a very hopeful note, which is we will all benefit. Humans will benefit from a gender equal or gender equitable society. Tarak, thank you so much for your time. I have thoroughly enjoyed our discussion. I hope everyone else has enjoyed it. And of course, all the places that you can find Tarak and Club Respect, Victorians Women's Trust, etc., will be in the show notes. And please do check out the awesome framework because it is quite literally awesome. Thanks, Michelle. Thanks, folks. Thanks for listening, folks. I hope you got a lot of actual insights out of that interview. You know what you can do now to be a person who's smashing the patriarchy in sport? You can leave a five-star rating, you can leave a review, but importantly, please share this podcast amongst your family, your friends, your colleagues, and pretty much anyone who's involved in the system of sport, because together we can close the global leadership gender gap in sport.